All right, hello, people of the world. Today on Weeaboo Hell, we are talking about the second half of Castlevania Season 4, which all in all, I would say was... Fucking uh, slapped. Fucking slapped. I would say it's it was just slightly better than that whole runabout I had, you know, going to Disneyland for the first time. <laughs> I mean, you know, you have all the little rides and the little people in the costumes, and I don't have to deal with any of those nightmares. Instead, I just had, you know, various night creatures eating people's faces and other vital bits yeah it fucking slapped it, it did it did fucking slap and i'm going to save myself a lot of time and sort of running up and down the line by saying from here on we live in spoiler town yeah just hardcore there's there's not gonna be any avoiding it we are talking about all of the fucking shit that happened in the latter half of the season and much of that was resolutions to things, so, um... Just resolutions and things that make you regret opening Wikipedia articles or texts from or your friends. Or just opening YouTube that fucking day. I'm so fucking lucky that we watched the rest of this season when we did, because legit, less than 24 hours later, I start getting shit like, Oh, what's-his-face is revealed as death. Yep. Front page of my Rex. Like, the fucking algorithm's just out to ruin my goddamn afternoon. I, I was think... too fucking fast this time, bitch. I mean, the algorithm it has our audio statements when I make videos from this show, right? Mm -hmm. So my pocket theory is they remember all of those jokes about Alphabet I made when we were talking about Psychopaths. I'm wondering if it's not they so much as it. <laughs> That's a, that's and a great question. And it's begun to start taking things personally. <laughs> this is the stage before it starts considering humans inefficient. It starts considering humans rude. <sighs> What's the best case scenario? The best case scenario is that we get like a what the fuck the thing from um the thing from Deus Ex. Worst case scenario is of course I have no mouth and must scream. That's about the range. I don't know. Maybe you'll get one of those uh, nice Star Trek computers that just want to make things a little better. Or from that same program, you know, just a sort of Borg situation. I guess, actually, best case scenario is that it turns into Edie from Mass Effect. That seems unlikely, though, because Edie was created with the intent of having a personality to be helpful in such and such and such and such. This was created to sell content. So I don't know what happens once it becomes self-aware, which seems not that amazingly far away I, I don't know if society is ready for an ai to decide that it wants to be hot <laughs> i'm just imagining an ai that like doesn't want to destroy but it's just a fucking huckster <laughs> come buy these nfts man so i'm gonna go ahead and start with just there all of the action direction framing in this second half of the season holy fucking shit beautifully done i think my favorite still might be i mean okay in hindsight learning that the varney belmont thing was hand animated is completely insane i think it is my favorite and i'll give you some reasons later that, that, that's fair that's fair and it's very impressive that they redline did that mm -hmm. in terms of the framing of the just high drama that this thing plays in i still love the whole camilla I isaac arrangement though maybe i just like that as just the apotheosis of isaac's entire it was really fucking cool and it was the thing to beat and it got beaten and i was so fucking surprised that it got beaten because that fucking sequence was perfect honest to god though if i had to pick 
like using the score or using the little rubric that I use to grade fight scenes, that scene where they're fighting in the barn earlier on in the season, in the first half of the season, just because of the story that it tells of Mm -hmm. Trevor keeps losing his fucking weapons and keeps picking up a new one and keeps losing that one. And it's just a frustrating goddamn experience because he's tired and pissed. It's a story that that fight tells is my favorite story that a fight tells in this series. I am fond of the story that Carmilla is a crazy person who should never have been let out of a straight jacket made out of garlic. (laughs) But intra fight stories, that was really nice watching uh, Trevor Belmont go through a TLC match that only he gets hit with the tables, ladders, and or chairs. I mean, it's like, it's his fucking life in one fight was that fight in the barn. And, and then, you know, the fight with death, which I love. He was so conspicuously absent from previous seasons, you know? <laughs> the fight with death is just what he was fucking meant to do. As far as pins in the structure of the series go, of washed up failed monster hunter to. Did I ever tell you guys that once I killed Dracula uh, I twice? Killed Dracula twice and then death very soon after. Like the death, the guy at the science of him. Uh, so there is a reason that I have such an appreciation for the final set piece with death. That time you killed death in high school. We're cool now, though. <laughs> I don't like to. I don't like to brag about that one. Like he was in a weird place. I was too. By the way, it turns out if you kill death, he uh, just sort of comes back three months later, kind of pissy. He was like, I, I wouldn't have been happy. He, he was like, he wouldn't talk to me, you know, after math. The reason that I loved that fight so much, as much as I did, A, it, it, it had my, you know, fucking fun anime llamas were, you know, like, oh, it looks like he's going to die. It looks like he's at the end of it. No, he's not going to die. He's going to fight. Cool. Yeah, that's, I love it. I love it. And it's Warren Ellis writing it, so it feels earned too it's not just that it is that this series has from day one been so unapologetic about its video game origins right Mm -hmm. and the way that the fight with death plays out it's a fucking video game boss fight he's sitting there on a level right that that death is chopping up with his scythe you know and he's you know Think about you know playing a platformer yep, yep. game where you're just sitting there on the level and there's the boss who's not so much a sprite next to you but this big presence behind the level, right? Doing his little attacks and all you can do is kind of like do the fucking morning star, right? At his fucking face, deal damage occasionally, you know? And then, you know, we move into the next stage in the fight where the level collapses and you have to jump around it. Like, that, that's literally what fucking happened. I have been wrong in the past when... I haven't. Yeah. (laughs) I've been wrong in the past when talking about how to adapt a video game for a non-interactive medium where I've said something to the effect of make it as non-video gamey as possible. Just find what works about the story and the aesthetic and do that. Remove whatever video game elements you can or as many video gamey elements as you can, and they didn't fucking do that, and it's the best adaptation of a video game ever. 
ever. Like, there's there's no yeah, fucking it turns contest. Turns out uh, we can replace that entire platitudinous thing that a lot of critics, including me, throw out. Like you need to chuck out a lot of that baby of the bathwater. It turns out you just need to hire people of talent to make people it. People who that, know what they're doing, who appreciate like the, thing. the source material. And I enjoy this as one of the, I don't know, two or three positive endpoints of that journey that we have been on in cross-media adaptations since, I don't know, that Super Mario thing where they had the platform shoes. I'm trying to think of what the last video game adaptation I enjoyed this much was. I mean, in a cocaine kind of way, the first Mortal Kombat movie, maybe. (laughs) It just never slowed down. It just never slowed down. You could see the little trail of white powder (laughs) coming out of the producer's nose, and it just worked because that's how the game was developed, too. Mm -hmm. Which maybe goes back to that thing where you don't need to throw the entire baby out with the bathwater. No, there's this great subplot in this season, throughout this season, that I only noticed as the season was wrapping up, where Trevor had basically just been collecting video game loot the entire time and used it to win the two final boss fights. I feel like I was waiting from the start, like, cracking open candelabras looking for hearts and shit. Oh, no. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Sam has baseball news. I'm going to drive everything to a sudden halt. Jake Cronenworth hits a three-run home run in the bottom of the seventh. The Padres extend their lead over the Mariners. 15-1. <laughs> Uh, hello, oh, everyone. God, it uh, sucks to be a Mariner so fucking bad. Hey, sometimes here on Weeaboo Hell, we like to touch on humanitarian. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Sometimes here on Weeaboo Hell, we like to touch on uh, humanitarian causes, and <laughs> I would like to discuss the occupation. The occupations of Seattle. <laughs> For a dollar a day, you can save a Seattle Mariner. They just did it to the Rockies, too. Man, I was about to go on a whole extended fucking Israel riff that I think would just get some interesting letters sent to (laughs) us, but let's cut back to the Castlevania thing here. Yeah. And yeah, I appreciated, I don't know, the nods and the appreciation for the core things embedded within that subplot, and and a lot of other things about this. Oh, did you... And I... hmm? Did you... Did you catch how Probably not. Greta from the village of Dynasty was just this thing's version of Grant Dynasty from from uh, from Dracula's Curse? No, I have never played Dracula's Curse. Oh, okay. So there is a fourth member of the party who is this pirate guy whose name was Grant Dynasty. Oh, okay. Yeah. So so there is Greta from the village of Dynasty. <laughs> we live in the village of subtlety here in Castlevania land. Which was the next thing I was going to get to, which, I mean, it's present in every season, but in this final one, I think they kept their hit train going in terms of just keeping that high operatic mood going. Mm -hmm. There is a whole lot of posturing and monologuing and really just symphonic metal album covers (laughs) littering this season, and it's funny, because he doesn't fall into a lot of stupid dialogue pratfalls, people say... You know, he really made Castlevania a lot subtler. No. No, he did not. No, he's pressing not those power chords on the fucking guitar as hard as possible. Belting improvised lyrics over bloody tears. <laughs> it's just done... And I, I think anytime anything is done of a modicum of skill, maybe just confuse it for salty. Because I think just when something sucks, you just really hear it loudly. Just... Maybe we just catch on to those dissonant plot tritones really easily. I mean, there are subtle elements within this season, right? The 
kind of narrative through lens about that we were talking about in the last episode about agency. Those are good through lines. Mm-hmm. They are well written through lines. They are not subtle. They, keep talking they about are extended them, yeah. monologues of people staring out at a blackened city, thinking about their agency. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. And how many people they're willing to stab to reclaim their agency. Uh, do you know what I realized? Uh, do you know what I fucking realized? Yo. Hector and Isaac never, ever, once in the series, came into contact with Trevor Saifa and Alucard. And in fact, I do not believe that Trevor Saifa and Alucard ever became aware of either of their existence. Not once. <laughs> they were just having their own story, kind of just off on the other side. And it was so well done that you didn't notice, because... The consequences were so interlinked. No, they never even met yeah. Carmilla. That was just that an entirely is... separate story. But it, it had is... enough to do with the other story that it worked. That's a fun bifurcation. Part of me wishes I could just get that Trevor Carmilla curse off. Mm. It does create one of those uh, Ibushi Will Ospreay booking problems where someone has to lose the belt when they're within 15 meters of each other. (laughs) Evidently, I'm in a very wrestle-brained moment tonight. More so than usual. 10% more so than usual. (laughs) For the record, as long as we're discussing the uh, Isaac Hector... Thought thread in this Isaac continues to be that dude for me, and I just he's so fucking base every single day. Just always a guy who could be a dumber character at any. Just for instance, the original version of his character from the games. Yes, yes, very much so. <laughs> Something that was funny about his episode, the invasion. When I say his episode, just because it's sort of just his god that ascendance. shit rules is that it reminded me of a funny just rule of action direction. You see it in everything from, like, fucking Wuxia films to this. Mm-hmm. Which is, sometimes when you have a high action thing like this, even though, like, a guy's personality is, like, backroom plotter or whatever, mm-hmm. because of how strength and strength of character is signified in these martial arts-infused things, yeah. they still just end up on the front line kicking people, whether or not that necessarily <laughs> makes sense for them to be doing at the moment. And I'm not against that. That's not a knock. It's just very funny. I don't know. This is my Penny Arcade barrels exploding kind of joke, if you get me. Wait one second. Okay, we can edit that out. I was just Oh, we're just worried about the audio? I was suspicious. You were suspicious. Life can be suspicious. When we record here, what we tend to do is we actually tend to leave a lot of head in the volume, and then I normalize it to minus one decibels. Okay, cool. That's I wasn't a... seeing squigglies. Oh, is it normally squigglier than that? It's, it's it's almost never that amazingly squiggly, but there are some squigglies. Okay. There are usually some squigglies, and I just needed to see that there were, in fact, squigglies just now. So we're fine. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, we have avoided a nightmare of epic proportions, I suppose. Oh, I'd have been so fucking upset. It happens, it, it happens. ruined my week. To be fair, the one time we ended up doing that shit, that was a pretty decent episode. Yes, it was. Just a shame about everything else about it, but the content. Oh yeah, shame we lost our best analysis ever. (laughs) So now, unfortunately, this thing is getting pinned here, and in the balance of their time, it... I respect where they chose to just put their finishing stab, like just finish off the core three thing of Alucard, Trevor, and Saifa. Mm-hmm. 
And just, you know, leave it the vague implications of I6 saying they're saying, I'm going to do something historically terrible in like three hours, but <laughs> fill it in your minds. He seemed to be planning to do, if not the opposite of that, then not that. He planned on doing something that from his perspective and philosophy probably would seem rational. I'm not sure everyone else would have fun. I'm willing to believe better of him than that in this case, just because of what we were given. We were talking about just like, yeah, what if, what if none of this shit anymore? This doesn't lead anywhere that anyone wants. It doesn't lead to anything ac- actually productive, or it just, it's just like just gonna beget more violence as it always has. So why don't we just build something instead? We're gonna play Civ and play a peaceful Civ, unless crossed. I think he was moving more into some kind of rationalist Genghis Khan territory, but maybe that's the fun thing about him, you know, little little dualities. Where I was going with this, though, is uh, now we are going to get a spin-off series without Mr. Ellis, and I am concerned. Alright, so now, now the game that we play, because we like to have fun here. I love well. fun. The game that we play is, who do you want? running the show for this spinoff and what is this spinoff going to look like <sighs> okay so because i am denara dale first i'm just going to just um detox myself mm-hmm. and just get the stupid asshole ha 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 would be funny if life sucked answer out the way thank you i appreciate it and um just fill in seven minutes of ha ha mark millar does castlevania cool Everyone's an asshole. Vampires, very akin to I don't know a shitty version of the one from Preacher or something. I like I like Preacher and that wasn't Millar. But I'm just saying like everyone being terrible because it's Millar is the idea. Yeah, exactly. Get all of that out of our systems. Cool. Very cool. So I guess this becomes a question of who can write like a fun gothic action thing. I though that wasn't even really Warren Ellis's trade before. So maybe that's a bad way of framing it. I really like Rick Remender if we're just going to pull another comic writer out of the bin, and he's kind of a do-everything kind of guy. See, the idea that I had is that you just give it to Trigger and tell them to do Symphony of the Night. I try to keep things PG here at Weeaboo Hell, and you said that, and now I'm sort of aroused, and it's weird. <laughs> and I know there's been that sort of, like, frisson between us until now. <laughs> but, you know, I want to keep it platonic for, for the kids here. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Regardless of who is put in the writer's or director's chair, I would love seeing that studio and that topic. And, I mean, there are other Castlevania games I think would be fun, too. I'm probably biased just because I love um, Area of Sorrow and Grimory or whatever the fuck it was called. The one of the glyphs. I don't know. <laughs> Everyone just remembers it as next-to-last Castlevania with glyphs. Sure. But... Before... That the Konami happened. The great yeah. Konamiing of Before, 2014, 15. Yeah. Everything's pachinko now. Jesus Christ. And it's weird because so many of their pachinko things drop on their video game things from IP. So I don't even see why you have to shut down the other part of the... I don't know. Corporations have a odd philosophy about, about like focusing all their efforts on whatever is making the most, most money at a given time. Mm-hmm. Unless you are Microsoft who are just willing to let their video game thing just exist in the corner because it makes plus one more dollars than it burns. Which is nice in a way. I mean, still a company founded on bones, but, you know. Where I was going with this is, um, 
I would enjoy Rick Remender a lot, but that's also just because I am a uh, deadly class fanboy slash low slash whatever he's been doing last week. Let me think of a fantasy person I would actually enjoy. Patrick Rothfuss? That would be fun. I was about to say Martin, but I'm not sure really. there's really an overlap between his strengths and the appeal here. I don't think like, that I'd like George R. R. Martin's take on this now. It'd be like Armando Iannucci's Castlevania. That's <laughs> <laughs> people fast talking That's about politics. That's kind of what we had sometimes with this thing. In splashes. You know, it, it's, it's the right amounts. But I, yes, that's true. I think true. season two with the villains was just Armando Iannucci <laughs> does Castlevania because it, like they, they did nothing to slow their own defeat in season two. <laughs> it's like Death of Stalin, only instead of stupid, it's suicidal. <laughs> Like I said, someone's saying, this will work out. This will be fine. It's him saying, yeah, this will, air quotes, work, work. out. <laughs> You'll be fine. fine. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> now I'm just rolling through different people, like, at, at, at it working or not working. For a second, I was, like, imagining Dave Chappelle's Castlevania. <laughs> oh, you know, they're free. Doc Cameron Jackson Public's Castlevania. What comes out of the end of that portal? Just don't go into the room with the bat. You're going to oh. jump over the gap, and then you're going to hit the bat. It's impossible. <laughs> the uh, clone high guys, whose name I always forget. Lord and Miller. Lord and Miller are evidently just physically capable of adapting anything. And literally fucking anything. But it has to be bad. It has to be at you. Castlevania <laughs> might break the rule. They need to... It has to be something that, at first glance, you are convinced will be, in fact, awful. And I wasn't... Convinced that you, know, you told me Warren Ellis Castlevania, I was thinking, how bad could it be? I wasn't thinking, oh, this is gonna fucking blow. Lord and Miller are the film equivalent of uh, the Impossible Mission Force. <laughs> I want to get like one straight fantasy writer in my rec. Actually, no, fuck it. I just give me Gen Urobuchi. <laughs> this is weeaboo hell. I can full weeb this. Oh, give so- me Gen Urobuchi's Castlevania. Make him. I don't know, he stabs his studio in the back and goes to trigger. <laughs> this whispers the words, your successor, in their ears before he runs off. The more I think about it, the more I want public and hammer. They are free, as you said. That movie's probably written by now. Actually, no, they're perfection, perfection. That movie's probably written by 2024. Yeah, they're not. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a while. We're going to have half the amount of ice caps we currently have when those two finish that, writing the Adventure Brothers movie. Oh, that's what's happening? Uh, Adult Swim commissioned film finales for... I don't know the finales, but at least continuations. Venture Brothers, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and Metal Aquilips. Oh, yeah. Which is exciting to me because I am a metalhead's metalhead. I like mainstream prog things that are on the outer curb of the word music, as Sam will inform you. There is a finite number of time signature changes that can exist within a 30 second span of music before it becomes impossible for me to continue listening (laughs) it just basically does the konami code to make my brain want to go away this isn't strictly metal but i remember your expression i wasn't even trolling this time but just this igor song came out 
where the opening of the song is just the guy screaming. Not like metal screaming, just like I got stabbed in an alley. Just screaming <laughs> for like 30 seconds. And you're just giving this look that just says, why? Why? Why these sounds? Okay. I tried to listen to Sunbather, you know, with like the whole shoegaze Wallace Down shit going on. It just didn't like, and then he started screaming. I'm going to bring this one back into into, uh, into Castlevania land. Of course. Alucard had a fun arc this season. <laughs> Way more fun than last season. Way more fun for him than last season. Way more season. fun for Most... him than last season, yeah. Certainly, uh, they enjoyed bringing him to the just brink of alienation last time. and mm. But his shining hero center pulls through. Which is, you know, a simple, uh, simple and time tried story, but it's. I thought that they were gonna on. like do something real fucking tragic and have him become the villain of this season. That was my theory at the end of season three. I thought we were ambling towards that, yeah. and they decided to go somewhere else. Uh, and I don't know if that's the original intention or just time constraints and how much shit you can you do, but mm-hmm. it worked out. It worked out. Okay, if I'm talking about the plot, and I haven't mentioned that Varney death now holds a very special place in my heart. <laughs> Both in terms of plotting and just that performance. Oh, Malcolm McDowell had so much fun. He and... I I already gave him a shout-out in the last one, but he and uh, Bill Nighy deserve so many fucking props for being these big, amazingly well-respected, you know, actors who do genre shit all the time uh, and always just fucking give it their all. Especially Malcolm McDowell in the latter half of this season. Just cackling yeah they brought their full talents to bear for the season of Mm. television i really really appreciated i guess i can still just enjoy a good simple twist landing on me and it did it landed like i didn't see it coming like they were talking about death earlier in the season you know as you know as a character, right? Like, oh, yes, it's this death thing that, you know, we call the force of death, but it's just this thing that feeds on death. I'm like, oh, that's a fun interpretation of, like, that boss from the games that, you know, isn't going to show up no way. And lo, X behold. Invincible spoiler ahead. It made me feel like I was part of the mainstream culture for a moment because I kind of got robbed of something everyone else got to enjoy this year, which was, you know, because I was literate in high school like a nerd... I had got to just read through the whole Omni-Man pulverizes his teammates. Shit, that was a spoiler for something else. We did tell people. Okay, fine. Well. I might go back. Okay, I'm giving myself a clip to throw in earlier. Omni-Man pulverizing his teammates thing. Mm-hmm. I got to get a little something from the from the twist tree this season for myself when... It's the end of the first episode. It is the end of the first episode. It's not that much of a spoiler. I feel like half the internet knows at this point. The other half, you know, is watching. I guess. What is the other half of the internet watching, Denard? What is the other half of the internet watching? Let's see. The Circle had a second season, though way less people are watching it because it feels a little close to home. I didn't even watch the first season. Was the Circle? Was that a live action? The Circle was a reality TV show. Let's see. There you go. Live action. It was live action, and the premise, they filmed it before the pandemic, cool. was that people are locked alone in an apartment and only interact with the other contestants through social media. 
Man, I don't know. I had the best fucking time last spring. <laughs> <laughs> Played so many video games. I was I was living my best fucking life. I drank so much great coffee. I I got an entire fucking arc of a web comic done. Pages. The the pandemic gave us pages. Pages and pages. And I played fucking Wild Hunt. And we started doing this every week. Oh yeah. Best thing that ever happened to this show's schedule. Honest to fucking God. I'm so sorry if you lost anyone, you who are listening. I did too. It fucking blew. But oh, yes, I know yes. just emergent things. Sometimes you can have interesting and often good feeling things happen in the middle of something that is objectively awful. This is a, what we call the post-World War One American economic boom. <laughs> the world is more complicated than we often wish it were. Very... Very much so. I got time to work on my mental health. Before we go, I just want to point out my favorite line of dialogue from this season. Which was? Believe it or not, it wasn't I'm becoming like Belmont. Oh, that, that was kind of fun. I. It was It was a Varney line because Varney slash death is... <laughs> Is great. He's so fucking good. He's there for like fucking five minutes after revealing himself to be death, having been really, really been playing a fan, doing a fantastic mm-hmm. job playing his role as Varney. And I'm going to mangle this quote, but he's basically describing the villainous plot of the season to bring Dracula and his wife back as this hermaphroditic rebus alchemy thing, right? Mm-hmm. And the line basically goes... He's going to be dragged back from hell with his wife screaming inside of him in a new body. It's going to be glory. He's going to kill so many people. <laughs> and the thing you have to understand that makes Varney such an amazing character is that he is essentially executing an Ed, Ed and Eddie scheme <laughs> on a cosmic scale. <laughs> there is this borderline implication that he's not even that fucking smart. He's not... Smart enough to do this, not smart enough to think it through, but doesn't care enough to think it through either. It's pretty glorious. Mm-hmm. Boronellos and the various directors are just good at infusing everything with so much personality that it just makes me appreciate those little things more. Also, the way that they animated Death talking was basically just like, bop, 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 skeleton head, and it was great. It worked. It worked exactly as it should have worked. It has a it has a nice distancing effect. <laughs> Exactly what you're thinking when I make that noise. You ever shake one of those uh, skulls on a stick? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, hot take. Castlevania Season 4 is good television. This has been a surprisingly positive run of uh, Weeaboo Hell episodes, so I just want to make it known mm-hmm. that we did look at the full season chart. I did look at six of the isekai offerings for like three minutes. You people can get fucked. <laughs> I did something good for me this time. So, like, that's good for you. Thank you. It's Weeaboo Hell.